0: Hello and welcome to StarCast from Planet Waves. My name is Eric Francis Coppolino, the host of Planet Waves FM, on hiatus, and the host of the Planet Waves Horoscope, also on hiatus, both returning at the time of the Northern Hemisphere, Southern Solstice, that would be next week. Hello to my subscribers and everyone else, and thank you for tuning in. This is the edition of StarCast. It is dedicated to the new moon in Sign Gemini. This is uh, an unusual new moon in that it is making a couple of very meaningful conjunctions, the most important of which is a conjunction to the asteroid Atlantis. Now, the mythology of Atlantis is... About the use and abuse of power. That's uh, that's really what we come down to. That's what the mythology of the fall of Atlantis is about. Well, really, what when you when you think about it, like what what really went wrong there? Which uh, which versions of the story are you familiar with? Uh, the 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 version told by J. R. R. Tolkien is not so much about the abuse of technology, but rather about the abuse of trust and of the fear of death and an obsession with materialism. That is what he says brought down Atlantis, which he calls Numenor or Atalanta in in Akalabeth, the downfall of Numenor. So what I prefer to contemplate is the influence of technology on our relationships and on our internal dynamics. So we know we've got a comment on uh, on on the influence and impact of technology because we're looking at a conjunction of the new moon with Atlantis. And we know that there's something about internal dynamics because that is what Gemini is about. And we know there is something about interpersonal relationships that is between humans rather than within them because this new moon conjunction is also exactly conjunct or very closely conjunct Juno. And by the way, did I mention that this takes place on the 18th of June? And this particular version of uh, the chart does not tell you what day of the week that is, and the company stopped updating the software <laughs> right before they got to doing that for me, putting in the day of the week. Since I'm one of those people who's, uh, I, I call it day date compromise, so that would be uh, on Father's Day, the 18th, a new moon on Father's Day. Oh, that's uh, that's that's lovely, and 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 by the way, it's a pretty harmonious. And, uh, and and peaceful chart. Okay, so we've got a new moon, the new moon, moon conjunct sun in Gemini, conjunct Atlantis, and conjunct Juno. So there's something here about the influence of, of, of technical consciousness, not the devices, the consciousness that they create and how that influences the human realm. Gemini, by the way, being the first of the human signs, and the the joke of that is that when the uh, when the zodiac begins uh, that we are in the sign of Aries, the ram, and then a month later, 30 days later, we're in the sign of the bull or the cow, depending on how you think about it, and then finally 60 days into the zodiac, we have an image of a human, but it's not one human, it's two humans. Oh, the first human sign has two people. That's really interesting. It sounds a little Adam and Eve, except that the two people implied in Gemini might be the brothers. They might be the lovers. They might be twins, Castro and Pollux. Anyway, it's a human sign. Now, this, this kind of cluster of Moon, Sun, Atlantis, and Juno is exactly opposite the galactic center. And this tells us to, to be on notice for something... Larger than than we might ordinarily think that a new moon is about uh, the the galactic center is a kind of a spiritual homing signal um, and and it it seems very peaceful and majestic when you think of the galactic center except when you realize that there is first of all a supermassive black hole at the center of the thing which contemporary astronomers say cannot possibly provide enough gravitational influence to hold the entire galaxy together hence the well for that and other reasons the analysis of this thing that is being called dark matter which seems to concentrate around the outsides of galaxies and uh, anyway that's a, that's a long story now conjunct the uh, but but one of my favorite things about the galactic center is that you don't even need to get that close to it for it to be daylight all the time because uh, the the, the stars get closer and closer together the closer that you get to the galactic core, with the exception of when you're in between the bands. But as you move closer, it just gets more and more concentrated. The night sky gets brighter and brighter, and close to the galactic center, the stars are moving very fast. Now, you don't think of stars as moving But they do. Our star orbits our galaxy in about 250 billion or million years. Uh, Billion, million, what's the difference? A couple of zeros. Um, And it is anything but peaceful. Those stars are whipping around. And it would certainly make interesting science fiction speculation uh, to imagine being on one of those very fast stars. Now, also, conjunct the galactic center is a slow mover, a trans-Neptunian object called Varda. Varda is, speaking of the Silmarillion, uh, a, a a primary god of Middle Earth um, and a, a creation of J.R.R. R. Tolkien, um, a uh, the, the the supreme goddess figure of the Tolkien. Legendarium. And that fits with the galactic center, which has, to me, kind of a extreme yin, goddess-like quality uh, to it, but placed in the sign Sagittarius, late Sagittarius. So now adding up the points involved here and not really stretching very far, we've got the galactic center, I think the the, the most significant of them, which is in a conjunction with Varda, both in late Sagittarius and then sun, moon, Atlantis, and Juno uh, in uh, in in an axial alignment across an opposition, a grand opposition. Now well, you might say, Well, what's at, what's what's square that opposition? That's that's always a question to ask, because when you see any opposition, ask what's at 90 degrees, and that is Neptune. So with Neptune, we have a beware of false spirituality, beware of Letting your idealism get in the way. We have beware of believing things that are not necessarily true. We have a lot of commentary on um, th- things that, let's say, glitter are not necessarily gold and uh, what might seem to have light around it is not necessarily uh, spiritually supportive. So that's uh, that's a caution there with Neptune and a great deal of deception and self-deception uh, and are involved in, in Neptune. But the real problem with Neptune is the problem of belief. Belief is what you do when you don't know. So anytime you hear yourself say, I believe, the question then is, what is that belief based on? What do you actually know? Now, we would have to, in our time, we would have to kind of have a uh, weekend-long seminar, probably residential, on the difference between knowledge and belief. And there's yet another factor, and that is the factor of understanding. And this is, what, this is, I think, in our time, the most elusive because people can be very confident about knowing and very confident about believing. But then what is the factor that describes understanding? What does that really mean. When someone says, I understand, there's a strong implication of empathy in that statement. And I think there is, uh, at the moment, there's uh, there's very little understanding to go around. And I think that um, a, a great many people feign understanding uh, when they don't really understand. It takes uh, can, take, can take tremendous effort to understand something. And uh, and, and that inv- involves the constant questioning of what you think, what you believe, what you know and why, and also r- r- real life experience. That, that is really understanding. I think most understanding comes from experience. And then if, there's always a subjective presence in people's lives, a subjective experience that can't uh, actually be understood. And I think it's always a good idea to know the limits on what we call Understanding. So that's the main. uh, That's the main configuration. Uh, I've got a lot of planets written into this thing, but uh, interestingly, um, completing the grand cross or grand square is the asteroid name for the moon goddess Selene. That is square to the galactic center, and it is opposite Neptune. So there's a lot of caution here about when you think you know something. And uh, as I will describe in a few minutes, uh, what is going on with the factor of intuition. So meanwhile, running in the background of this all uh, is Pluto in late Capricorn. Pluto, last week, backed into Capricorn. Uh, it, it did so in an exact partile trine to Sedna, which is in very late Taurus at the moment, as uh, one of my readers pointed out. So we with, with Pluto and Capricorn, as I mentioned in the most recent edition and gave more details then than I will give now, we have a reactivation of the United States Pluto return, which has only ever happened once. And I personally can't think of another republic that has actually had a Pluto return. A republic has to exist for two and a half centuries. Kingdoms usually do Uh, dynasties usually do, pharaohs can last a long, well, individual pharaohs, okay, not that long, but dynasties last a long time, but republics don't usually last a long time. So the crisis that uh, certainly the United States has been in, is in, and will be in, is largely described by the Pluto return of the United States. And the United States is the kind of founder of the, uh, the, the attempted Grand experiment in democracy, or uh, representative democracy, or a republic—actually, is more, more accurate—and and, and uh, uh, that's not going so well at the moment. Uh, we have a lot of uh, kind of cashing in of our hopes and dreams and fears, and uh, we and we keep we keep buying our ideals from people who sell them to us, like the Brooklyn Bridge. All right, so uh, that is that. Now, a couple of interesting features in the chart and the planets, a little bit closer to home. Uh, One thing going on right now is that there is a sextile, 60-degree, very stable aspect, spanning two signs between Jupiter in Taurus and Saturn in Pisces. So this has got some extra energy because Jupiter is the ruler of Pisces. Saturn is not the ruler of Taurus but Saturn does have dignity in the earth signs and so there's not exactly a mutual reception but the uh, the the kind of crossover between the let's say earthy oriented Saturn and the watery oriented Jupiter in one another's signs uh, describes a simpatico they're, uh, th- they are f- they're both female signs and both. Jupiter and Saturn have male and masculine and feminine expressions, and now they're currently in their feminine or nocturnal expressions. In any event, the 60-degree aspect between Jupiter and Saturn is highly stable. And is. Um, I think this, for one more reason I'm going to give, but this alone um, is, is uh, important, is, is that it is... Um, an important time to stabilize things. And it's very, very hard to stabilize things right now. And this is largely because people's minds are not stable. But the, 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 the reason from like astro-logos, that is to say, the, following the logic of astrology, reason uh, to attempt to stabilize things now is because people's minds are going to be uh, more prone to and open to stability. Uh, they, they they may be feeling a little uh, unconfident with so much going on. Square Neptune, but uh, don't worry about that. And, and and those who are are tapped into the um, confidence of Jupiter sextile Saturn are the, are the ones who need to use that as the kind of a guiding pattern to uh, to influence their lives and to uh, guide guide the direction of events. Now, at the same time, um, we have a slow, powerful Venus. Venus is a month away from being retrograde, but nonetheless is um, in in its slow, powerful mode because it is entering shadow phase uh, sometime soon and slowing down for the retrograde. And planets gain influence and notability based on their speed. And so when you have a normally quick planet like Venus, which could move through a sign in less, a degree rather, in less than a day, uh, slowing down, well, that's, uh, that, that is, uh, that is meaningful. And it is doing so the, at the new moon chart, we have another very lovely sextile between Mercury and Venus. Uh, so this is a, another aspect describing stability and I would say in particular the stability about emotional communication. So that 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 is there and that is happening there's also one last really gleaming sextile in this chart. A lot of those sextile 60 degree aspect it bridges the energy of two signs generally they will be of the same element uh, again n- not element excuse me gender as is the case in this third sextile I'm describing which is Saturn sextile Centaur planet Folus now, Folus is another one that can be very reactive. Folus was a huge player in the pandemic rollout scenario because the pattern was, and I haven't written about this yet, deserves an entire article about the uh, the, the long square of Folus and Chiron. I know I switched the subject from Saturn. To Chiron, but Folus has this quality of a pressurized release. I've been seeing spoofy internet videos of people dropping Mentos. Mentos, how do you pronounce it? In soda. Now, if you if you do this, um, don't point the bottle at your face, uh, and be ready to clean up a mess. So, like, maybe do it outside, preferably not on the lawn, because lawns don't like uh, Coca Cola. I know a couple of lawns. We've talked about it. But uh, try it sometime. Now, the when when you see it's a very good use of a bottle of Coke because you're not going to get to drink it. So if you drop a couple of Mentos in uh, a bottle, a bottle of Coke, like a two-liter bottle, and it makes this jet, that's the sensation of Folus. It It is the pressurized release. It is the genie getting out of the bottle. It is the thing you can't stuff back in. Uh, it it is the uh, elephant's toothpaste experiment in chemistry look that look that one up that's a fun one i'm going to try that one at home that is a you can try this at home if you don't mind making a soapy mess in your kitchen with with peroxide and uh, and soap okay so um anyway three beautiful sextiles the energy is stable as long as you do your fact checking so all of that stability is great all of those sextiles all of that kind of stitching together the wheel is wonderful, but the caveat is what I would say is the the potential for false idealism or false spirituality associated with those ninety degree angles to Neptune. So uh, be mindful of that. And uh, there we go. Uh, one last thing now. D- developing in the planets, a couple a couple of more things. While while we're here, and there's nobody telling me I've got to shut up, so. Um anybody who wants can keep on listening. Um, and I will, I will try not to uh, be too boring. Now, there's a um, an aspect that is in place and approaching. Now, we're on the kind of uh, blue-green spectrum here, not the uh, aspects generally written in red, but the ones written in the cool colors, which is uh, sextiles and trines usually. And on the 22nd, uh, the, oh, by the way, the Jupiter sextile Saturn exact on the 19th on the 22nd, Mars trine... Chiron. This is an interesting one. And I'll, I'll read from uh, one of my overall favorite astrology books, uh, not, not the world's deepest astrology books, but a extraordinarily accurate book about Chiron to a point, more the Uranian side of Chiron, which is Barbara Hanclaw's Chiron Rainbow Bridge Between the Inner and Outer Planets, a good companion book to that is by Zane Stein, Chiron, key to your horoscope, where Barbara got a lot of her information from. Barbara writes, but Barbara's writing style is a little bit looser and, like, easier going. So uh, she writes, way long ago, I guess sometime in the 1990s, natives, and this isn't a natal chart reading of it, but it'll still give you a sense of, of what's up. Natives with Mars trine Chiron always seem to be the ones who get the lucky breaks. Their intuition is superb and aggressive. They're these people who move on hunches and they know when to move on a hunch and a lot of people kind of trip themselves up by by doing this but uh, not not according to Barbara, Chiron, Mars, Trine, Chiron people. Their intuition is superb and aggressive, and they seem to anticipate exactly the right moment to make a breakthrough. The presence of Mars cuts down on the general tendency for Trines to be lazy. And the Saturn part of Chiron, Chiron being a fusion of Uranus and Saturn, is activated by Mars. Again, the presence of Mars cuts down on the general tendency For trines to be lazy, and the Saturn part of Chiron, the disciplined part of Chiron, is activated by Mars, which tends to cause the native to be very adventurous. All right, so uh, that's a little bit about Mars trine Saturn. I think I saw one other thing caught my eye. Ah, an applying aspect going on in the midst of all this, Mars moving very fast at the moment, is Mars square Uranus. This happens a little bit out next week. Let's see exactly when that is while we're on the subject. Mars square. I wish this program were still in business. I just ordered yet another old computer to run this program on. Because it can only run on computers built before 2020. So someday I'm going to have a, a, an old Mac museum. I could kind of have one now. On June 26th. Uh, will be the exact square. This is after the solstice. We'll get to the solstice next week. Mars square Uranus. Now, uh, this is in effect, but it's not fully tuned and focused, but it's still there. Uh, So this is um, Mars square Uranus trine Chiron. Put that all together. What do you have? I mean... um, you have the spontaneous kind of accident-prone quality of Mars square Uranus, that kind of aggressive quality of it, and the the things happening, not quite aggressive, things happening. And then the use of intuition, the, the assertive use of intuition with Mars trine Chiron. So um, that's the that's it. That's what I've got for you tonight. Uh, this is my last week out of not doing a horoscope. I am planning to have the July horoscope next week. Let's see if that happens. It should happen. I, I like to keep the horoscope on the monthly horoscope on the schedule of the week that the sun changes signs. The cancer birthday reading coming around that time soon. Gemini reading is ready. Cancer reading is available for pre-order, and we are offering the trifecta. Mid year video reading. Sell enough of those, I will do it. All right, that is what I have to say to you. Thank you to my subscribers uh, for an interesting place to see Planet Waves articles and Planet Waves discussions. I suggest checking out a website that we will give a shortcut to, but it's um, planetwaves.substack.com. It's a different kind of presentation of Planet Waves. Uh, it is the same basic materials, but they're just a, kind of a nice modern format, not not like a blog or a ordinary website. Again, PlanetWaves.substack.com, and I'm going to link into one article about that in the letter that is going out with um, tonight's mailing. Maybe maybe one or two. All right, thank you for listening. Drop me a note if you if you feel like it. EFC at PlanetWaves.net. I don't respond. I'm not ignoring you. Just send it again the next day. Thanks for listening. Lots of love and bye for now.